Hey everybody, welcome back to Evolved Athletics Radio. This is episode 32. My name's Jim Young, and we're going to go right into the topic of sleep, sleep deprivation, and how it affects your performance and overall health. So where I wanted to start with this is actually with the research project that I did in graduate school. So, um, you know, as most people know, when you go through graduate school in a you know, hard science like physiology, for instance, uh, you have a couple of different routes. Most students pick the research route, um, and then there's, uh, you know, uh, non-research route, which, you know, sometimes is like an internship, you know, learn on the job kind of thing. Uh, so what I did uh, is because I wasn't immediately pursuing a PhD, I actually did a uh, non-thesis research project which essentially just means the only difference between the the two it just means that I didn't defend my thesis um, against a uh, panel uh, typically the only advantage that that really gives you in defending your thesis project is when you move on to a PhD typically you're not awarded your official title, your uh, official PhD title, uh, until after you've successfully been able to defend your thesis. Um, And again, this is kind of off topic, but I just want to give a little background uh, as to how I came about with this. So in any case, um, graduate school, I I did research. The name of my study was The Effect of Sleep Deprivation on Fitness Testing. And the way this came about is... Uh, I had worked in factories, uh, quite quite a few actually, and I did shift work. Um, a lot of times because I worked multiple jobs, I would work these factory jobs, um, second shift or third shift, typically third shift. And there were some periods where you know I was only getting three or four hours of sleep for a few days, um, and then I might get, you know. A regular eight or nine hours of sleep on that fourth day and then have to do it all over again. Well, in grad school, it came to uh, light that what a lot of bigger companies will do is put their employees through uh, fitness assessments and then sometimes the outcome of that fitness assessment is actually used to dictate health insurance premiums. And I thought, well, hang on a minute. If a bigger company's doing this and they have shift workers then shouldn't they have some type of research to show that you know those shift workers are at a disadvantage and even if they get paid a shift premium they might actually be paying a higher insurance premium again because they're at a disadvantage and that fitness assessment might show up with poorer results than if they were working say you know a, a regular you know 8 to 4 or 9 to 5 you know, a normal first shift job. So again, in the study that I, I did, uh, wasn't a huge study, obviously. I mean, this is a a graduate project, uh, a master's level project. So it wasn't huge and it was only one, but the idea of the study was to examine the effects of 24 hours of sleep deprivation, you know, on fitness testing, uh, you know, the outcomes of the fitness testing, versus when participants were fully rested. So essentially what would ha- what happened was um, I had 31 
healthy participants. It was a pretty even mix of females and males. Uh, both ended up doing the fitness testing, uh, fully rested, and then again in a 24-hour sleep-deprived state. Uh, in both cases, participants completed the YMCA bench test, the YMCA sit and reach, the curl-up test, the hand grip dynamometer, and the Queens College step test. Uh, and then participants were randomly assigned which state they would be tested in first in order to account for any learning effect that could take place. So, you know, it kind of shuffle the deck a little bit um, to rule out any other variables that, that could arise. So, and what I found was there really isn't any significant difference between the uh, four, between four of the fitness tests However, the step test actually showed a significant improvement. Um, in the step test, we use those to determine submax of VO2, uh, which is essentially the amount of oxygen that your body's using. And we can uh, essentially tell what kind of shape you're in, what kind of performance output you can uh, do with the level of you know, your VO2, uh, your VO2 max. So for some reason, there was an improvement in the step test, uh, but kind of get away from where I'm going with this. Um, so essentially, uh, as I'm doing this uh, data collection and stuff for the project and to be able to type up, you know, why this would be a beneficial study um, and why, you know, these bigger companies would, would want to know this information. So let me just read an excerpt uh, from, from my study. Uh, here it goes. Uh, Aside from physiological effects that take place during partial sleep loss and sleep deprivation, there is, there is also a psychological component that affects individuals that endure sleepless nights. It has been shown that a person's cognitive ability is equivalent to that of a person that has a blood alcohol content of 0.05% after 17 hours of wakefulness. As wakefulness continues in nears 24 hours, cognitive performance begins to mimic that of a person with a blood alcohol concentration of 0.1%. During these periods of disturbed sleep patterns, there is a general negative effect on one's mood that is described as an increase in symptoms of depression, tension, anger, confusion, and fatigue also reported our feelings of decreased vigor and friendliness. So the next step, uh, or the next section that I want to point out, was in the second paragraph, the first sentence of my paper, it says, it's estimated that nearly one-third of American adults now suffer from chronic sleep deprivation. Now this paper obviously has a list of cited works, so this isn't stuff that I'm you know, just kind of pulling out of thin air. So, you know, again, this is part of a master's project. Um, so the reason sleep is so important is because there's so many mechanisms and so many reactions that happen while we sleep. Um, and typically what happens is when you start falling into that six hours or less of sleep, uh, that that's really problematic. And some of the things that we tend to see from this 
is you know individuals with poor sleep habits or poor sleep hygiene tend to have a higher body fat uh, content and some of this is because those individuals tend to consume larger quantities of calories again so let me kind of restate that uh, individuals that have poor sleep habits and sleep hygiene tend to consume uh, l- larger amounts of calories uh, versus individuals that sleep better again they tend to eat fewer calories so you know individuals that are sleeping really good have great sleep hygiene again research tends to show that they tend to eat fewer calories and obviously we know if you're sleeping uh, really well, you know, that's going to have an effect on concentration and productivity. We typically don't notice that too much when we sleep well. It's typically when we don't get a restful night's sleep, we notice that, you know, concentration and productivity has kind of plummeted. And again, with that, you know, if you exercise on a regular basis, you know, you're going to exercise like crap, you know, you're going to feel like crap the whole time. And for some people, it's a reason why they skip workouts because it doesn't seem like it's being all that effective. In some cases, it's not. So uh, to kind of build off from this, you know, individuals that have uh, poor sleep habits, again, there's quite a bit of research that shows that those individuals are at a greater risk of, you know, cardiovascular disease, you know, heart disease and stroke, that, that kind of stuff. Um, again, it's it's one of the reasons why we recommend seven to eight hours of sleep because anything below that, a lot of research points to the fact that, you know, we have a higher risk of developing disease. Um, I, actually, I think it's also important at this point to add in that those individuals that do have poor sleep patterns, poor sleep hygiene, um, you know, they, they also carry around a little bit more fat as well, not just because of the calories, but also because uh, sleep has a, a pretty large impact on glucose metabolization. Um, so when we talk about development of uh, diseases, you know, it's not just heart disease and cardiovascular disease, it could be type 2 diabetes as well. Again, so sleep is really, really important, and it's not just for athletic performance, right? Uh, poor sleep has also been linked to depression. So in that you know paragraph that I read, that was one of the uh, ending statements was that it you know all, people also report feelings of decreased vigor and friendliness, uh, also increase in symptoms of depression, tension, anger, confusion, and fatigue. I mean these are these are kind of common sense things. I mean we've we've felt that before when we don't get a restful night's sleep. And it's so easy today, you know, to grab a coffee or to grab something caffeinated to mask some of those symptoms. And the problem is, though, is that we do that prolonged and you become, I don't want to say efficient, but you become, you know, functioning at that low level of sleep that at some point you're you're going to get sick, right? There, I mean, there's just... The probability is there that you're going to get sick if you're not sleeping well. And some people say they perform better, you know, when they only get five or six hours of sleep, that they function really well at that at that level. And I would argue against that. I don't believe that. I believe um, just, again, being in the field that I'm in and working with people for as long as I have, individuals that get a regular seven to eight hours of sleep, 
maybe a little more, maybe a little less from time to time, but you know, averaging between seven and eight hours of sleep per night, they tend to function at a higher level um, regularly than individuals that are in a chronic sleep deprived state. So again, it's it's one of the things that when I'm working with clients that I ask about quite a bit is, you know, what's your sleep like? And you know, it's it's interesting because they'll they'll start talking about sleep and stuff like that and they'll say, "Well, I just I can't get to sleep at night, so I'll watch some TV." And I'll say, "Well, you know, are you sure it's not the TV that's making it hard for you to sleep. No, 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 because I'll just toss and turn in bed. Okay. Well, then come to find out the TV's actually in their bedroom. And there is a couple of correlative studies that show that just the fact that the TV is in your bedroom, uh, it doesn't even have to be on, but the fact that it's there and it's able to be turned on, uh, it has an impact on your sleep, right? So people sleep worse when they have televisions in their bedrooms. Uh, and again, those are correlative studies. They're not causative studies. Um, and they could probably be explored a little more. Um, but that that's just, I mean, that's there. I mean, you think, think of somebody that you know that says that they don't sleep very well and ask them if they have a television in their room. My guess is that if they do, they probably, that's probably one of the reasons why they don't sleep well is because that TV's in there. Again, that's kind of a guess, again, because the research is correlative research rather than causative research. But so, you know, in the grand scheme of things, when when you're looking at your health and your fitness and, you know, looking to improve those things, you know, exercise obviously is going to be one of those pillars. You know, you got to focus on exercise, but by itself, it doesn't stand alone, right? Because there's nutrition, right? So you have to fuel your body to be able to exercise. And then there's the recovery aspect, right? So sleep would fall into this. So the three pillars, I would, I I don't know, for lack of a better term, you know, the three pillars of improving your health and fitness really rotate around nutrition, exercise, and recovery and sleep being that recovery. And it's obviously there's more to it than just those three things, right? Because there are other variables that are going to impact nutrition, exercise, and recovery. And it, again, you know, those, those things are probably something else that we would talk about later on. But when working with a client, you know, we aren't going to focus on just one of those things, right? We have to kind of put everything in order, all right, so I'm at about 15 minutes right now. I try to keep these podcasts about 15 minutes. Uh, this is something that I could probably talk at great lengths about, uh, sleep and sleep deprivation, uh, caffeine. You know, that was that was going to be part of a, an adjunct or a, a tandem research that I was going to do along with the sleep deprivation study, but I never got to it. So, So the actionable step 
that I want to toss out because I do try to add in these actionable steps in each of these podcasts. Sometimes that doesn't always happen, but the action step that you can take right now is analyze your sleep, right? There's a lot of wearable technology out there that you can uh, either download on your phone and put next to your nightstand or under your pillow. There's the assortment of watches, smartwatches that you're able to wear that'll track your heart rate and things like that while you sleep. And it'll spit out, you know, some some pretty useful data, actually. Um, so, yeah, we're going to wrap it up there. And uh, I appreciate everybody staying till the end. And if you have questions, uh, again, use the link uh, to record your voice, record your question. Send it to me, and I will answer it on a uh, future episode. Thanks, everybody.